Welcome to the Pub Date Podcast, the show where two book broads discuss what should happen before, during, and after your book publication date. Brought to you by Broad Book Group, with your hosts, Vanessa Campos and Jen Dorsey. Happy Friday, Jen. How are you doing? I am so great. I'm doing even better this week because I got to see you in real life last weekend for the first time in two years. It was pretty great. It It was was cold and so worth it. (laughs) So worth it. So uh, we won't get too inside baseball, but just for our listeners, we were at the Pub West Conference last weekend, which is a wonderful gathering of other uh, independent and small publishers and uh, we went to Denver, which was fun. It's kind of halfway between where we both are. And uh, we just got to reconnect and spend time together and be with other book nerds. And, and it was awesome. I'm still riding the high of it. Same here. Um, you know, a lot of the conversations that we were having at Pub West kind of led into this conversation that we're going to be having today. And, uh, you know, the conversation around the types of books that we publish and, and what ends up happening to them, how they get discovered. But most importantly, I'm, there's this big conversation around banned books. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have. And it's a good conversation to have. Um, I have my favorite banned book. And I actually had to look this up to make sure that it was actually banned because I'm like, how could it possibly be banned? What's your favorite banned book, Jen? I have so many, um, so many that I love. Um, I, I love The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. She's an amazing writer. Her On the Come Up is another good one. Um, it's also banned. Lucky her. Um, but <laughs> I think if I'm going to go really old school and speaking of books that you think, why are these banned? Um, I'm going to go with Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. Wait, that one's banned? In some places, yes. Or it's been challenged, I guess uh. I should say. And I actually have a personal connection to why, A, why it's challenged, and B, how I am connected to this. So if you've read his poetry, you know, it's it's whimsical, it's weird, it's funky. Um, He's been challenged a lot. All of his books have been challenged um, because various reasons. I don't know, because people think there's, you know, devil worshiping in it. People (laughs) think there's drug use in it, you know, all kinds of stuff. But one school system wanted to ban where the sidewalk ends because it promoted cannibalism. (laughs) Ooh. Because there is a poem that happened to be my favorite when I was a child about someone eating the baby. Someone someone ate the baby. It's rather sad to say someone ate the baby because she won't be out to play. We'll never hear her whiny cry or have to feel if she is dry. We'll never hear her asking why because someone burp ate the baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I'm sorry, I thought when I was like in first grade, I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever read in my life. Like it was hilarious to the point where I, uh, my grandmother was in the hospital. She was dying. I was very young. I uh, wrote it out for her because I thought it was so funny. (laughs) And I illustrated (laughs) it and my mom took it up to the hospital room and grandma, God rest her soul, thought, my God, what's wrong with this child? She thought I had actually written it. So I think maybe grandma died thinking I was in the cannibalism. Mm. But uh, yeah, 
Hey, you got to get your protein somehow, right? You do, right? So <laughs> that's one of my favorites. And I always laugh at that story because, um, you know, I was, I too was a whimsical child. And so it spoke to me, obviously. <laughs> what about you? What, what's yours? Oh, man, I'm going to have to pick that up again and, and read it. Um, wow. With that new you of the world, I'm going to have to do that new view right? of Jen's world. Um, I think... And this may be why I love really bad uh, and really good dystopian movies now as an adult. I uh, I have to say Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. And just kind of like it's conversation about society. And, and it's just like when I found it on the band or challenge book list, I was like, really? That one? I loved it. And then, you know, maybe we do have a really sick sense of humor. I guess I thought it was great. <laughs> well, there are so many that just, they blow my mind. Like there's um, the one about the two male penguins who raise a baby penguin oh, together. You know, it's yeah. a cute children's book and promotes love and inclusivity. But of course, that's not okay with some people. So that's on the list. And just all all manner of craziness is on that list. Absolutely. What really, you know, and, and one of the things that I, you know, you and I had discussed was our love for Scribd and how they are supporting this whole movement. And I think the conversation started around the book Mouse, which talks about the Holocaust. And, you know, the more and more we get into um, history and education and critical race theory, Things are, are being challenged, but it's kind of like a little bit of censorship, in my opinion. So I love the fact that Scribd is offering free access to their entire digital library. And that's ebooks, audiobooks, magazines, documents, podcasts. I think you can even get sheet music. You can and white papers and mm -hmm. just reading guides. There's everything on Scribd, everything. Yeah. So if you decide you want to get into this list and really dig in and sink your teeth into it, if you sign up for Scribd um, before February 28th, they are not going to require a credit card, nothing to sign up, just your name, username, and password, create an account. It's a downloadable app. You can download things onto your phone so you don't have to use your internet, which is really, really nice, especially if you know, you're having... Um, some issues. So if you are interested in doing that, go to www.try.scribd.com forward slash banned books. And this is not an advertisement. We just love them. We just love them. Yes. And good on them for doing this and offering some really great free access to people. Absolutely. Great service. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, how we're rediscovering and, and, um, reimagining our our thought process around books that are, you know, have been part of our conversations for so long. You know, we're talking about mouse. We're talking about um, books like A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, um, To Kill a Mockingbird, all these great books. And we're talking about them through word of mouth, all because people want to ban them, which is kind of ironic when you think about it. Right. It's doing the opposite effect. Um so people are talking about these banned books, new, old, and they're getting attention, you know, and people are going and they're buying these books. So womp womp, sorry guys, but you're actually doing us a service. Um, mm -hmm. But when you think about it, you know, there are these books that are, are challenging a 
a thought process or books by Margaret Atwood that have been around forever. But if you're a new author with a bit less of a controversial topic, like how to start and run a freelance copywriting business, then you kind of have to follow a few different rules. Right. On how to get discovered. Um, hopefully one day your book will be banned. But, you know, for, for the time being, it's probably not going to be banned. And you don't want it to be banned because you want people to find it. For now. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Thinking about how do you get your book discovered? So if you run a very small business and you're, you know, out of your house, which is a lot of us, um, and you have word of mouth clients, which is great, but you want to write a book to kind of amplify what you're doing and get new clients, maybe share a little bit of what you know and what you've experienced, you know, your trials and tribulations of actually starting a business. You have to play with the big boys, which yeah. happens to be Amazon. There it is. The Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> It rules the world. It rules the world. It does, though. I mean, you know, I think so much that has changed in the world of book selling and book marketing and metadata, which wasn't even a thing a few years mm -hmm. ago. Um, all of that is because of Amazon and, and other online retailers who have followed suit and and taken some of what works there and, you know, changed it to fit their own model. So, yeah, you have to be able to to promote your book online. And it's more than having a website. It's more than telling your friends, um, you really have to know how to harness the power of the back end of Amazon. And not everybody knows how to do that because not everybody is a book professional. So we're going to, let's relay some tips here. Let's give people what they need to know to, to get started on their journey with Amazon. Yes. So the big word that we are trying to cover as much as possible this year to help share some of this pub wisdom um, is metadata. And we have yes. Metadata Mondays on our social media at Broad Book Group everywhere. So the idea here is to educate everyone on metadata. So what is metadata? Metadata is how you get discovered as a book. And it ba very basic metadata is your title, your subtitle, your author name, and your ISBN number, your pricing, your trim size, which is, you know, a six by nine paperback. Those are the very basic metadata pieces that you need to include and make sure that they are the same across the board. Yes. And that's important. You For every retailer. Yes. Um, you know, as a self-published author, you're likely going to go into KDP and you may venture into uh, Book Baby or you may venture into Ingram Spark. So all of these are different backends. So you have to make sure that they all match. So yeah. if you use your middle initial in one, guess what? You have to use your middle initial in the other one. Yes, ma'am. And I think that's a good point to make too. Um, if you're independently publishing, you have to have some way of getting that metadata pushed out. So you can either, um, you know, you can have separate accounts on all of these retailer sites, but that's kind of clunky and messy and, and you will make mistakes like that. You will have mm -hmm. consistency issues. But if you're going through something that will manage your metadata for you, like an Ingram, um, when you put it there, that's the source of truth for all of those retailers. And then it filters out to all of them and it will be the same. Knock on wood. Yes. 
And that's something I really love about Ingram versus a KDP, not pinning them against each other, but an Ingram will allow you to get really descriptive. And that's the next part about metadata is your descriptive keywords. So of course you have things like freelance, copywriting, um, you know, starting a business, but then you get into the descriptive stuff. So you got to put yourself in the, in the reader's shoes and say, okay, I need to search for a book that is going to help me start and run a freelance copywriting business. And that in itself is a phrase that's descriptive about your book. And you can add that in Ingram and it's really, really big. So, you know, this is, these are all bits and pieces that you're going to have to think about. And I like to have people think about these things before they actually create an account on Ingram spark. And it's, you know, once you create that account on Ingram spark, it's going to be, it's going to populate in there. So I like to fill out as much as information as that is. So we kind of have a little bit of a template that we can definitely share with, with listeners on what you should be including. So it's kind of like your starting point, what you need to include in basic and good descriptive phrases for your, for your metadata. Yeah. And keywords are such a huge part of that because it's got to be SEO friendly. It's got to be Mm -hmm. something that's searchable because let's say that a a potential reader doesn't go to Amazon first or they don't go to Barnes and Noble first, they go to Google first. And so if they're going to look up books about how to start a copywriting business, you'll want those, as you mentioned, you'll want those words in your description because it will hopefully pull up your book in one of the Google listings and then push it to a retailer like Amazon. That is a really good point. So I like to think of, unfortunately, I like to think of Amazon as the Google of retailers for books. But, you know, I know that uh, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, all the other published or distributing um, retailers are making sure that their metadata and the way that they map things is, is up to par because Amazon is so far ahead in the game. So make sure that all of these things are in place, even if you don't use KDP, because it's just going to help you out in the right. long run. Right. And just to reiterate, you can you can enter this metadata in a lot of different ways. You can get individual uh, seller accounts on sites like Amazon, and you can go into each one and do it. Um, but if you go through something like an Ingram Spark, then it'll it'll filter it out. It'll push it out everywhere. It's the easiest. It's the easiest. <laughs> Do it that way. <laughs> and and speaking about that metadata, I think you can get as descriptive as you want, right? So like you should have a really good author bio. Yes. Maybe a table of contents. What else should you have? I would include editorial reviews. So all of those Ooh. nice things people have said about your book before it went to print or before it even got released, there is a special place in the back end of Ingram Spark to be able to add those things. Right. You know, another one of the things that a lot of people or a lot of authors really just kind of leave alone and then just ignore is the ability to create an Amazon author central account. And that one you do have to go into Amazon, sorry, and create an account. And then once you're in there as an author, what you'll have to do is you'll have to claim your book. So you'll need that ISBN number because that's what gets pushed out. But when you create an author, an Amazon author central account, you're able to create an extended bio. You're able to create video content that you can upload. You can even add in your blog content using an RSS feed. So that's really, really cool. That's nice. So it's almost like a little micro site for you as an author, in addition to your landing page, because you should 
also have a landing page that's outside of this. Absolutely. And it's free. It's right. free. And if it's if Amazon is saying it's free, then Amazon is basically saying use it because this is an, another way that your book will be discovered. Right. And you, I mean, you, because mm-hmm. you can also include links to your business and uh, your full bio. I mean, you can kind of go ham with it, right? Exactly. Another thing that I love that they rolled out that, you know, for self-published authors is something that was only available to distributed authors, which means, you know, somebody who, who was acquired through like um, a Wiley or a Barrett Kohler, you had that ability. You were able to create some really cool graphics. It's called A plus content. It brings your book to life. And when you're in the self-publishing world, when you're in the self-publishing world, you don't really get access to these things. So they just rule this out. And I really love it because you're able to um, showcase the inside of your book. You're able to create some really cool um, shareable images. You're able to add more about yourself and a better bio author um, headshot. But I really love the ability of people being able to share spreads of a nonfiction book. That's great. Especially if you have a highly visual book, you can share, yeah, you can share those bits and pieces, or you can even create custom graphics there. They do have some parameters as to what size those are allowed to be Mm -hmm. uh, so that they work on your Amazon page. But, you know, let's say you have a really great um, testimonial quote. It it has to be short, right? But you you could make it graphic and beautiful and put it in a box and put the micro cover of the book on there. You can do things like that. You can have passages from the book. You can have art from the book. Um, It's really only limited by your imagination and the size that they allow you to make it. So you can really, um, you know, get into Canva or get into some other program like that. You don't have a designer or, you know, send it out on Fiverr and see if someone can design them for you. But uh, they really just make it beautiful. Yeah, it really allows you to, to, to just take it further. Somebody's on you know, on the fence about buying your book, it just kind of pushes them in that direction. And you, if you go to, um, not a lot of even traditionally published authors have this on their Amazon pages, but if you scroll down on a book page, it's actually under the, um, from the publisher section. So you got to scroll a little bit down, but it, it allows you to talk a little bit more about the book after the fold, which is a totally old journalism, um, (laughs) term, which is like, once you scroll away from that header image, are you still talking about your book? So you just want to make sure that you continuously talk about the book. And I think that that's a really good option for people. Yeah, I agree. And it just all links it together and just kind of makes it, it just gives it a more professional look and feel and picture when, when all of these pieces are in place, because, you know, even if you were self-publishing under your, under your own imprint, or just, it's a one book at a time kind of situation, you want to present the most professional retail storefront possible for, for your book or your, or your imprint. Yes. And that's something that you and I, you know, um, we're very passionate about, you know, being able to bring a traditional publishing experience to self-published authors. Right. Um, there's really no reason why a self-published author has to have a cover that looks self-published, has to have a, a retail page that looks like it was from a self-published author. There are little tricks uh, to the trade that you can implement to make it look very polished so that your book is, you know, like you couldn't tell that it's self-published against, say, a Wiley or a HarperCollins. 
Right. And I really do think that Amazon is at the forefront of this um, because it's such, excuse me, it's such a seller's market for everything, right? Not just books, but all products. And so if you've noticed every time you get on Amazon, um, if you're, especially if you're on the desktop version, it's a different experience than it was even a year ago um, because there's almost always a live video feed at the top of the page for various products. And most of the time, you know, it's it's the creator or the author talking with someone, talking in conversation with someone. It's kind of like a, a tiny webinar about the product or the book. And so those are really great. And I, I think too, if you go and you click on the main books page on Amazon, that'll it's kind of the, the front door to the books department. There's always something going on there. Um, they let you know, like if there's going to be an author event or if there's going to be an interview. So you can too, you can also plug into these. Now you have to be involved in the seller program, I think, right. to get access to some of those tools. Um, but I don't think that is out of bounds for most people. No, absolutely not. In fact, um, before we even got into our book partnership here, I actually had a seller account. And I was able to kind of just get rid of some of my old books and inventory that way and just tinker along with how I can actually you know, stand stand apart from the competition who's also selling these books. So um, I'm also a bookseller, <laughs> which is wild. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of getting in there and playing with the tools allows you to really understand that back end. And I think that even if you're not selling anything, getting back there, watching their tutorials and their webinars is really important. It is. And, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned yet that I think is very worth mentioning, and this requires no technical experience whatsoever. And that is to build up as many starred reviews of your book as you possibly can. And all that requires is for you to reach out to people and ask them to write a review for you. Absolutely. And I think that the more reviews, sorry, we don't have to think this, the more reviews you have, the higher chance that you're going to rank, you know, you know, in the top 100s in the top 10s of your category. And that's something else, you know, categories are really important by set codes, categories. So your metadata is really important to make sure that it's, it's, vibrant and full of all the things that may you think, oh, well, maybe this isn't the case or, you know, this descriptive thing is, is going to be weird or this editorial review is going to be a little bit out of field. It doesn't really matter because what that does is that it allows your book to be discovered in other categories that you haven't thought about. And right. the more that happens, the more, the higher your ranking is going to be. And I think, you know, absolutely getting as many star reviews as possible is great. I agree. Paul's pointing. I think you have a question, Paul. I have I have a question and a uh, and a comment here. Uh, oh, the quick okay. question is: Is it obvious? You're also I know metadata is the little hidden tags, keywords. Where do you put all this stuff? Is is there is there a place when you put your book in there? Is the place everybody says add metadata, and I'm like, where? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're going to have to sign up for an account on Ingram Spark or KDP. You know, we're not going to push you one way or another. Or Broad Book Group. Broad, well, we could, we could we could definitely do it for you. We can. <laughs> and we love it. It's it's one of our favorite things to do. Um, but you will need an account. And the metadata really is everything that you enter in about your book. The metadata is just kind of like this word that encompasses all of these things. And so all of the fields that are in that backend, once you actually sign up and have your ISBN numbers and your title and all of that, that's all metadata. 
I'm going to encourage somebody to contact you or somebody else because it ain't as easy as it looks. You got to do some research too. what you think this is your metadata and you find out, oh, it really should be this or this is what I should be talking about. Or I typed it in wrong or I put one extra letter and I said it's a podcast and not podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff can really impact where you pop up and play. So that's my thought for the day. And the other one is I have I, I don't want to leave on a downer here. But the word has come in that now you're because of what you talked about in the beginning, your podcast is now banned. <laughs> so we'll see that, if your numbers hey, shoot great. up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One thing that I think populated or not populated, it popped up in our conversations about uh, Amazon and what's free and what isn't in during Pub West was the conversation around, well, how do you know? if you have the right metadata, how many keywords do you need? How exactly. like all of these questions and, and to that. And I, my response was like, well, the easiest way of knowing is to start off by browsing the competition, find books that are from distributed publishers, which those distributed publishers have should have all of the metadata checklist, you know, set and done. Mm -hmm. But those are really a really good place to see like, okay, how are they doing it? Are they including a review in their description? And just kind of borrowing from those. I got an even easier way. way. I got an even easier way. Call Broad Book Group. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> done. We got you. We got your back with that metadata. So how do they reach you guys here as we wrap up? So anyone who's interested in reaching out and asking about maybe we can do a little bit of an audit on your metadata or your book uh, retail page, you can email us at info at broadbookgroup.com or you can also reach out to us on social media at broadbookgroup. Let's get in the weeds. Yes. <laughs> we'll tell you what you did right and what you did wrong. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in the meantime, everybody go out and read a banned book this week. Go support banned books. Get on uh, get on Amazon and see how those are being marketed. And uh, let's let's talk metadata again because I think there's so much more to unpack about this topic. We've only scratched the surface today. Absolutely. Right on. All right. Well, we will see everybody next time. Uh, thank you to Paul Roberts, our producer. Thank you to Emily Carpenter Polskamp, our executive producer from Little Red Communications. And we'll see you next time. We hope that you gain some valuable insights into the world of book publishing. Head over to broadbookgroup.com to learn more about us and all our services. And be sure to check out all our social media at Broad Book Group. Until then, keep publishing.